from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. Literally the world's smallest and lightest breast shields. We've completely minimized what's on the body. And while the audience can't see it, I'm actually wearing it on one side, and I bet you can't tell. I cannot tell. And that's the entire point. Um, so that's the first piece. The other piece is that um, our breast shields are made of a soft silicone material. So our suction actually mimics the baby suction, as opposed to that kind of yank and release experience that you probably I, have I remember, do remember and repress. Uh, <laughs> we decided at the end of last year to actually do all of our manufacturing in St. Louis. Is there anything that you'd say, I wish we could just change this one thing, do this one thing better? I wish we could change the perception of St. Louis. I'm Sarah Fenske. It was just about six years ago that Samantha Rudolph and Jared Miller moved to St. Louis to go all in on their mission of building a better breast pump. And last month, their babyation breast pump finally launched. And joining us now to tell us all about it is Samantha Rudolph. She is the CEO and founder of Babyation. Sam, welcome back. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So tell us about Babyation's pump. What makes this device different from the clunky milking machines that were on the market ahead? half dozen years ago or so when you and I were first both going through this. Exactly. So there's a couple pieces that I'm just exceptionally proud of. The first is that we have literally the world's smallest and lightest breast shields. We've completely minimized what's on the body. And while you know, the audience can't see it, I'm actually wearing it on one side, and I bet you can't tell. I cannot tell. And that's the entire point. Um, so that's the first piece. The other piece is that um, our breast shields are made of a soft silicone material. So our suction actually mimics a baby suction, as opposed to that kind of yank and release experience that you probably I, have I remember, remember and repress. Um, so those are a couple of the, the major innovations that we've brought. So with breast pumps, there's been this idea that, okay, because this is so much stronger and it's got this yanking thing, um, this can sometimes make it harder to switch back to having a baby on there. This eliminates that problem. You know, everyone's body is different. I don't, you know, I, I don't want to say 100% of women are going to have a certain experience, you know, and, and someone else may or may not. Um, but our suction is very natural. It's very comfortable. You know, the feedback we get from the testers is that they cannot believe how much our pump mimics their baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's kind of a win, right? If we can make this experience better, more comfortable. Um, and we also have some really, really exciting um, clinical studies and clinical data that actually talk about our pump's um, breast milk expression efficacy. Meaning it can get a lot more milk out of there. That's right. So, you know, this is still an in-progress study. So I want to kind of, you know, caveat this. But, um, you know, kind of two really interesting pieces of data. The first is that compared to the pumps that, you know, the women who've tested generally use, our pump gets out of 100% as much milk as the other pumps. And half the time, 50% of the time, our pump is actually getting out more milk than the baby at the breast, wow. which is unheard of. That's great. Mm-hmm. So th- it sounds like you're very excited about these preliminary results Indeed, here. indeed. And this idea that you're actually wearing this right now is the idea that I could be in a meeting and working on this simultaneously, no one would ever know. Exactly. So, you know, I don't have the entire uh, enclosure with me, um, but it's very quiet. There's actually a sound on our website that you can play and hear it live and We've noticed a lot of people, quote unquote, rage clicking because they're trying to hear it and they can't. And that's kind of the entire point. Um, So, yeah, you know, when we when we set out to design this breast pump, what we really wanted to do was make a product such that a woman could choose to do whatever she wanted to do without the world around her knowing. So for some people, that might be doing a radio interview. Um, For other people, that might be, you know, being in a meeting or cuddling their baby or laying down and just watching TV. And so, you know, the whole premise of this kind of, you know, quiet, discreet, smart 
breast pump means that you can, you know, integrate your breast pump into your life instead of the other way around. Boy, the very fact it works when you're lying mm-hmm. down. I know so many moms, you know, you might come out, mm-hmm. come home after a night out, you're exhausted and you'd have to sit there hunched yep. and try to make this device work. That had to have been an engineering complication to try to make it still work lying down. Your husband was the original engineer on this. Did, did you yes. go to him? I want this to work lying down. So it, it, it was almost a, a byproduct of kind of, you know, one, me just hunched over. It was, it's terrible. But mm-hmm. also the way our suction works, and we have 11 patents issued around the globe, um, it actually wasn't that, you know, it really wasn't difficult given the way we'd already created the suction. Hmm. Well, so this is so exciting. And this is also exciting for you, I know, because this has been a long time Indeed. in coming. Mm-hmm. So you guys had this prototype in 2016. I remember interviewing you years ago. Yes. You were so excited about this. <laughs> at that point, were you looking at, okay, 2022, that's going to be our year? You know, it, it, so it all depends on your perspective. For a medical device, which breast pumps are class two medical devices, and they go through the FDA's 510K clearance process, we're actually pretty short. We're on the short end. You know, so when we talk to people with medical um, device experience, they're like, oh, my gosh, how did you do this so fast? Um, but, you know, to I think the kind of, you know, consumer that is used to products, you know, happening overnight, um, you know, it certainly feels a little bit slowly, slow. So, you know, do I – in 2016, did I think it was going to be, you know, imminent? I did not. Mm-hmm. Did I expect that there was going to be, you know, COVID and supply chain and kind of all of these other adventures that we've all endured over the last few years? I also did not. Um, so, you know – it kind of takes as long as it takes. And we've, you know, we've always made the decision that we want to make a safe, highly effective breast pump. And we're going to put in the time it takes to get there. So this idea, you know, the FDA is involved. This is a medical mm-hmm. device. When you first dreamed this up and were realizing, hey, this is something that could really help women, did you have any idea just how complicated a road you were going to be going down? Not really. You know, what? <laughs> not only is, you know, there, there's kind of this, this thought in hardware, uh, excuse me, in startups that, you know, hardware is hard. And so not only did we do hardware, we did a medical device. And not only did we do that, we made an app control the medical device. And what that means is that according to, you know, medical device worlds, anything that controls a medical device is also a medical device. So, uh, you know, did we, you know, I think we kind of inherently understood that there was a regulatory component, but I don't think we, you know, fully got the nuances of all of these decisions. And then you bring the pandemic into this. Mm -hmm. And you were in the same boat that a lot of women were dealing with in the last couple of years. You have a couple small kids of your own at this point. I do. There are six and a half and three. And so that's great as far as you really <laughs> understand, you know, your, your target customer. Yes. But man, I mean, during the pandemic, it was impossible to get childcare at, at certain points of this. Did that end up becoming a complication as, as you're trying to, you know, you're running a startup here? So uh, we had the foresight when we moved to St. Louis originally to move into my parents' house. And we thought we'd be there for about three weeks. And, you know, six years later, here we are. So it turned out to be this incredibly strategic choice that we did not make intentionally. Um, And, you know, because of that, we were able to continue working this whole time and really without missing a beat. So you had grandma and grandpa. Oh, yeah. They saved the day, as always. So my jaw, I have left it on the floor. (laughs) I need to go back and retrieve it. You have been living with your parents now for six years. So many years. years. So many years. Mm -hmm. So they must be really good, wonderful people or you would not still be here. But I'm sure that still has brought its own challenges. You know, it has. The question everyone asks us when they find out how long we've been living there is, you know, what is the meals? What are the meals like? Like, for whatever reason, that's the number one question. And we actually eat separately for the most part. So it's, you know, we get a little bit of alone time and it's nice. Yeah. And I imagine in the pandemic, this did work out great. So everything shut down. You guys just formed your own little in-house bubble. That's right. We we, we were potting before it was cool. (laughs) 
That's great. Well, so that comes in very handy. So you get babyation, uh, you have your product ready to go, then supply chains. Mm-hmm. How big an issue was this for this particular device and all the many pieces that go into this? So we actually made some very fortuitous decisions that we did not know at the time were going to be so, you know, so fortuitous. Um, much of what we make has always been manufactured domestically. So that was very helpful. You know, most of our components have always been been done domestically. We happen to have placed a big order overseas at the end of 2019. Mm-hmm. So we actually got in, you know, we, we may have missed a couple weeks because of Chinese New Year, but the few parts that were made overseas, we got in very quickly. So um, perfect timing. You it, slid that in. We, we really did. Um, you know, for us, we had always kind of had this concept of just-in-time manufacturing because a lot of the parts that we needed were so readily available. What changed for us was needed to have all of our parts in-house for our, you know, our first big production run because the last thing we wanted to happen was have all this interest and then you know, have this multi-month stock outage. So we got very lucky, you know, one, by getting the longest lead parts in before everything happened, and then two, quickly kind of shifting to, you know, to changing our manufacturing strategy and then also doing it. You know, we, we decided at the end of last year to actually do all of our manufacturing in St. Louis. Wow. So a lot of people set out to do this in a mid-sized city like St. Louis, and then they quickly realize, I just can't find the company that has the capability, that has the space and the time to do this. Was it hard to find uh, St. Louis manufacturers to bring this from, from the beginning to the end? So what we've learned is when we, you know, we originally worked with a contract manufacturer out of state. Um, and that's because a few years ago, we started looking in St. Louis, and you know, we kind of widened the net from St. Louis to Missouri and then to the Midwest, we couldn't find all of the different capabilities that we needed with the appropriate FDA registrations. Um, But when we decided to move uh, final assembly in-house into our St. Louis facility, we then started looking again to see if we could find vendors locally. And there's been a lot of growth, actually, in the manufacturing side. So while we do still have some out-of-state vendors, um, many of the relationships now are in St. Louis. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. So you feel like St. Louis is seeing manufacturers come here or open here in a way that, that weren't here when you guys first made the leap. Yes, we are seeing much, you know, much better capabilities than we saw a few years ago. Absolutely. We're talking today to Sam Rudolph. She is the CEO and founder of Babyation. The Babyation breast pump launched late last month. It's just a couple of weeks now on the market. Um, And Sam and her husband, Jared Miller, were living out on the East Coast when they made the leap to come back to St. Louis, where where Sam is from. And as we now know, her parents living here, living in the same house as they go down this entrepreneurial story. So you have been pretty frank in the past about the fact that the one thing that made you interested in moving back to St. Louis was this arch grant, that it took that to kind of catch your attention. Take us back. I mean, as somebody living on the East Coast, you went to school out there. Um, What was your perception? What made you not so interested in in moving home before this this arch grant opportunity? Yeah, you know, I will very candidly and very directly say that we had zero interest in moving back to St. Louis. We got married in St. Louis in 2011, and, you know, we were in town for the wedding, and we looked at each other and said, there's no way we're ever living in St. Louis, right? Right? And we were fully aligned, full agreement, like there was not a glimmer of hope in anyone's mind that we would ever be living in St. Louis. But, you know, as you know, as as anyone who started a company know, capital is really important, especially really early on. Grants are important. And in 2015, there were very few 
grants that we could get. And one of them happened to be the Arch Grant in St. Louis. And so we we flew to St. Louis um, from Connecticut. I was 36 weeks pregnant at Ooh. the time. It was literally our last trip. And and we looked at it as well. This is our last trip pre-baby. We'll see my parents. If something happens, at least we're, you know, we, we know the hospitals. We trust the doctors. It'll be fine. Um, so I pitched 100 weeks pregnant and, you know, came out on this plane just we couldn't be more obnoxious, more snobby, more like every East Coast kind of snobbery you can imagine. We went to these schools and we live here and what could St. Louis have to possibly offer us? And, you know, we pitched for these 36 hours and met these incredible people and it was transformative. And we flew back to LaGuardia Airport, completely different people like, oh, gosh, I hope we're good enough to get in. I hope we're good enough to get in. And obviously, you know, luckily we did. And what did, what changed your mind on that trip? You'd obviously been here before. Like you said, you even got <laughs> married here. Our wedding venues didn't impress you in the same way that the Arch Grant experience did. They're lovely. The, the wedding venues were lovely. Um, but, you know, we just, we had this very wrong preconceived notion that one, you know, people in St. Louis couldn't have possibly have been at the caliber of the people that we were, you know, we were interacting with on the East Coast, which was wrong. Um, you know, and we, I, I personally had this kind of double bias, one, because I grew up here, mm-hmm. and two, because I lived on the East Coast for, you know, for a while at that point. So I had just basically every kind of wrong backwards notion you can have. I had it, and I, you know, I own that, and I, I was wrong. I generally am not wrong, but in this particular thing, I was incredibly, incredibly, incredibly wrong, and I will own it, and I will tell everybody that wants to hear that, you know, I missed this one, and I, I'm so glad that that I, you know, had the opportunity to be corrected. So you got this ARCH grant. You moved here, and I think the ARCH grant, it has a pretty short thing. Like, you just have to stay for a year or mm-hmm. so after that. You've obviously stayed so much longer. Has this been a good place not just to get started, but also to build the company? It's been a great place. You know, we have found incredible talent. The, the, our, the We're now, a, our core team is a team of seven, but our, you know, even our first couple hires just I don't think we could get better people no matter where we were living. So mm-hmm. that's been great. Um, we certainly wouldn't have been able to pivot to doing our own, you know, pieces of manufacturing and final assembly that we have now. And, you know, we have this beautiful 10,000-square-foot facility in Maryland Heights. We have a wonderful landlord. Um, everything has kind of really worked out. And I think it would be a very different company if we were anywhere else. So we do hear from people that, like, yeah, St. Louis has a lot of support for these startups, but the hiring thing can remain a challenge, that sometimes people from top East Coast or West Coast schools aren't always willing even to give St. Louis that chance that Arch Grants was able to persuade you to give it. Is is that something that is ever a problem? For the most part, we've been able to hire really, really great people. Um, <laughs> we've been a little bit lucky because we've found that there we we have a lot of East Coast connected people in St. Louis. So you know maybe it's a trailing spouse for you know someone who either grew up here or got a job here, um, or people who happen to be here for another opportunity and were looking to stay, but you know but but make a change. And so for us, we've been you know I'm grateful. We we've had a great talent pool and we haven't had any trouble finding people. Hmm. So if you were in charge of the whole like how to make St. Louis a more attractive place to to people from outside the city or from entrepreneurs, is there anything that you'd say, I wish we could just change this one thing, do this one thing better? I wish we could change the perception of St. Louis. You know, St. Louis is a very big city, you know, with, with 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 real cultural things and real, you know, very intelligent, very sophisticated people. And I think it's kind of very easy to have this misperception of St. Louis as being, you know, a small place in the Midwest. And we have this very rich history and in and, and, and cultural experiences. And whenever people from, you know, the East or the West Coast come to visit, they're kind of stunned at this hidden gem. And, and I think that, well, one, that's unfortunate. And two, you know, St. Louis is 
deserves its due, and I hope we get it soon. Maybe we just need to get more people to come visit. That's this right. This seems to be the key for some of these things. Well, so look, Babyation launched, and you guys are doing people can, uh, you're having them purchase this directly through you guys. This is not yet a Target situation. It is not. It is a Babyation.com situation. So how are, how are you getting the word out? Is this something where you're targeting new mothers? You know where to find them online, and, and you're getting through that way. So, you know, we obviously have a lot of different approaches to marketing, but we have a multi-thousand person waitlist. Uh, so, Whoa. you know, almost 45 people have jumped into our line and, and they very much want our product. Um, so obviously with any new product, you want to do marketing and outreach, but we're very you know fortunate that we have a lot of interest inbound as well. Yeah. So you have this huge wait list mm-hmm. at this point. Um, is the goal now just to kind of like move as fast as you can manufacturing? Are you 24-7 at this point trying to meet that demand? There is a lot of building going on. And, uh, you know, I've even gotten to have my own little niche in the process. I am not an engineer and I am not a manufacturing expert. So they kind of gave me the idiot proof piece. Uh, but, you know, we are all getting our hands dirty. And, and, and moving as fast as we can. When you say you've got the idiot proof piece, you're on the assembly line? I have jumped into the assembly line from time to time, yes. Wow. <laughs> Wait, so. You should see the engineer's face. Wow, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So everybody is making this work. Babyation, this is huge. That wait list is how many people at this point? Uh, just shy of 4,500. 4,500. Well, this is amazing. And to think it all happened here exactly. in St. Louis. Uh, Samantha Rudolph, thank you so much for joining us Thanks today. Today's episode was produced by Sarah Fenske with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations and leave us a review and rating on apple podcasts on the app store it's the simplest way to help people discover our show thanks st louis public radio is a member supported service of the university of missouri st louis Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.